Well, welcome back to A to Z podcast. We're here um, live for our second episode, uh, Why the Christian God is what we've called this episode. Uh, so, Andrew, I'll let you kind of recap what we talked about in our uh, episode one, and then we can start off, uh, yeah, launching from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with the last episode, we sort of looked at um, the, the bigger arguments for the higher power. Um, why would we even in the first place uh, make a case not just for like a Christian God or the God of the Bible, but why would we even like argue for um, you know, any sort of um, mm-hmm. you know something that's beyond um, what we would call naturalism? Just this belief that you know it's just nature. There's no supernatural. There's nothing beyond the sort of things we can uh, access with our senses or prove through math or something like that. Um, so going beyond that into an actual um, uh, an argument is, I think, what we kind of actually want to do today. Looking at, okay, why? Okay, we're going to establish the preconditions for um, saying there's, there's good reasons to, to think there might be a higher power. Mm-hmm. What sort of higher power? Um, right. What sort of god or gods or you know what? Why? And mm-hmm. what are those arguments? Um, at least from the Christian perspective. <laughs> Because so, that's yeah, because yeah, that's what we believe. So um, right, exactly. <laughs> we're a bit biased when we have this uh, discussion, but right. uh, I do think it is uh, just good to let people know. Like we've we've kind of established a baseline. So if you haven't listened to the first one, you got to go back and listen to it. We're kind of building upon that platform, right. and we're going to start more with uh, some history. So I'm going to be kind of diving into it and asking you some questions because uh, that's your your right. wheelhouse yeah. so I know so I know my lane and I stay <laughs> in it and uh, I do know some history but not to the extent that you do but uh, kind of run us through like divinity uh, for non monotheists like poly right. you know polytheists right so th- th- there's actually a couple different ways you could you know, so if we're, again, we're going to stipulate there is some sort of higher power right. or God. You, you could then divide this up. Uh, and if you don't believe else. that, play along with us, please. Yeah, we're yeah. Gonna get there. We're trying to make the arguments in a way that, again, is not just presuming Christian premises here. We're actually right. trying to be thorough and, and persuasive. Um, so if we're going to try to talk about mo- non-monotheism, um, they could kind of come into a couple different categories, a couple different camps. Um, one could be a kind of um, polytheistic um, paganism um, where you've got many sorts of gods, um, or this could even be a sort of like animism um, where you're sort of wor- worshiping forces or powers in nature. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you believe there's um, spiritual beings in, in a tree or, you know, in the sky or in the water. Um, you, so examples of this in history would be something like Greco-Roman paganism with... Uh, you know, the the myths of Zeus and Ares, um, or in the Roman tradition, you know, you've got Jupiter and Juno. Um, uh, Hercules falls into this um, sort of paradigm. A lot of Egyptian religion is mm-hmm. kind of animistic, um, or it's not animistic, it, it just certainly believes that there are powerful gods behind um, the uh, sort of the natural world. Um, so there's a god of the sun. There's like you know a god of the Nile, that sort of thing. <clears throat> so when you th- when you talk about polytheism, for mm-hmm. the most part, are you talking about ancient religions then, or ancient beliefs, or is there more modern ones or ones that are still practiced today? You could probably find some of this in Hinduism. Yeah. Um, I, I think has Hinduism, at least I'm not an expert in that. Um, the, the further east I, I go, I'm a little more outside of my area of expertise. Um, I believe Hinduism has 
we can come back to that with pantheism, maybe, because mm-hmm. uh, I think there's a greater principle, as I understand Hinduism, that makes it a little bit more pantheistic. Um, okay. But there aren't a ton of polytheistic religions today, um, certainly not like I think at a civilizational level or that right. like ca- characterizes a really broad swath of culture, at least none that comes to mind off the top of my head right now. Um, of course, you, you, in a Christian context, there's certainly mission fields that mm-hmm. are more, we might call them you know, animistic. Um, there's even bits of that that still remain in Christian cultures, uh, Christian countries that have been converted a long time ago, say in South America mm-hmm. or or in Africa. You have, oh, this is called syncretism, um, where you have Christian beliefs that are still kind of lining up with um, older beliefs about how the supernatural works um, and what or what is not supernatural. Yeah. Um, so that's a sort of idea of what polytheism might be today. Um, so that's one thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other sort of category of, of divinity that we might look at for non-monotheists um, would be pantheism. Um, this I'm a little bit more familiar with through the concept of, of a philosophy. I'm going to go back to Greek philosophy in some of these, these early episodes here because, again, that, that is sort of my wheelhouse. Um, pantheism is the belief that there's God in everything, um, that the universe is God. Um, it's kind of, again, this would be a bit of a caricature, but it's sort of like the Force in Star Wars, right? That, you know, it's, it's you know, binds everything together. It runs and flows through everything, you know, all living creatures and non-living, you know, so the, the sun, the moon, the stars, everything is God, everything is divine. Um, Which is actually somewhat wildly popular. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've, <laughs> I've been places, I've been to right. weddings where it's like the power of the waters behind yep. you, and I'm just... Okay, so yeah, yeah. like I'm, I'm, you know, it's not too far fetched to think that people, uh, you know, still believe in that, and it's totally understandable. Right. Uh, in Stoicism, and a, and a, and a more Eastern, many maybe a mm-hmm. better known, more contemporary version of this would be something like Buddhism. Um, and again, I think Hinduism is, is a cousin to this or, or akin to it in, in some ways. Um, so you can in pantheism, you can still have gods. Uh, I, I think so you could and certainly in stoicism there, there could be gods that are you know they're not human beings right. but basically those are the more powerful but there's still like a higher thing that unites us all together um so you could still like have mythology about a different cast of characters and, and beings um maybe who are quite powerful um maybe even who created human beings or something like that but there's still like this higher principle that ties us all all back together would you say that falls in line with more like agnostic some versions of agnosticism, yeah. I would say. Um, to be agnostic technically means, it would go back to what our first episode mm-hmm. was about, which is just to usually say, I don't know if there's a God yeah. or not. Um, so I suppose there'd be some people who would, yeah, say I'm kind of agnostic, the sort of spiritual, this is, this is the thing, you know, this characterizes a lot of the spiritual but not religious crowd. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, so yeah, pretty pretty common now, so it's pretty popular, so it's worth... yes. Kind of disgusting because it's going to dive us into where we're going to go today. Exactly, exactly. Um, So we want to talk about quickly, though, before we really get to the meat of this, what would be some critiques of of these two if they overlap, if they're different? So why why then do we move from belief in some god to belief in some sort of monotheistic god? Which I think if if I read up my culture correctly, I think it's fair to say that most of us default to some sort of version of the monotheistic god. whether that's because it's just in our bones or for whatever reason. Um, but I think both of these, um, both pantheism and a sort of uh, classical um, polytheism or paganism, uh, they have a serious problem sorting out justice and evil. Um, 
in these religions or the forms of these, kind of whatever happens just happens, mm -hmm. right? You could have a good god um, uh, like Osiris in Egyptian you know, mythology. You could also have a sort of evil, more uh, sort of nefarious god like Set in that situation, mm -hmm. who, in these arrivals. But you can't really say that one is necessarily better than the other or superior or higher or some sort of deeper principle. Um, and the same, I mean, that, that problem gets, I think, worse even in, in pantheism. So that, you know, if there is a, you know, a tsunami that comes through and kills 200,000 people or mm -hmm. a hurricane or, you know, tornado, some sort of natural disaster or human evil, right. um, you've got no grounds to say, well, this is, you know, you know why? And why do they deserve that? Yeah, right? exactly. Like, did the force not agree with their exactly. lifestyle and wipe out this entire town? Yeah. Right. It just is, right? And yeah. that's, so that's part of why something like Buddhism tries to teach you to, to let go of those mm -hmm. things um, and just accept, you know, what is. Yeah. Um, so there is there is there can be no real no morality, I think, in, in pantheism. Uh, and again, I think a lot of the, I, this is a, the, the real critique about the polytheistic sort of paganism as well. Like the Greeks, like, knew this very well that a lot of their gods were known for misbehaving right they they too would do also you know, you know, naughty gods exactly you know <laughs> zeus is, is this philanderer naughty gods. Uh, or, or even a rapist they're very violent mm -hmm. um they're not exactly you know there's there's all sorts of conceptions of the good yeah. of of morality that could be a lot higher so i think and again most people i don't think go to some form of this today um so that that would be my step i think to get us more toward a monotheistic mm -hmm. um, sort of perspective. Um, and again, I think that's where most of us tend to default when we think about God. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's... Um, you, you, you could blame it on how we're, you know, established, how we're raised, you know, being a majority Christian nation and its beginnings. Like, we, we started with the idea. So in, in the U.S., it's pretty common for people to like, yeah... We started with the baseline of one God, but what if I grew up in Asia? What right. if I grew up in uh, another culture where they mm -hmm. believe in multiple gods? And mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, like, you know, that could have a bend towards it. Sure. But ultimately, um, you're going to be drawn towards like, I think some of these religions have like one head God or one main yeah. God. Yeah. And it's like the God of gods. And it's like, well, yeah. I mean, even when Paul was talking to right. people. He would talk about, you know, all their different gods, and he would talk about, well, you know, the unknown god. Like, what's this one? And he kind of used a bridge of, exactly. like, this could be the ultimate god. And they're like, right. yeah, I agree with that. And then, boom, right yeah. into the wood. In, in that passage in Acts yeah. 17, he's actually, when he when he quotes, he starts telling, he makes this argument yeah. to the, the council of the Areopagus, um, and he's actually quoting a Stoic philosopher, actually, yeah. in that. I'm not, no, sorry, a Stoic poet. Uh, I think it's my mom, Maimonides, um, if our memory serves. It doesn't really matter. Um, but, he, but he's quoting a Stoic at them. So he, Paul definitely knew the earliest Christians were, were in a cultural setting mm -hmm. where they had to engage with this sort of stuff, yeah. um, where you had paganism on the one side or a kind of uh, pantheistic philosophy mm -hmm. on the other. So it, it, this is a longstanding uh, tension. Yeah. The, the, the Christianity, or monotheism, let's put it that way, has, has had these competitors on the other side of it. Yeah. All right, so let's, uh, I mean, we've kind of tackled the the non-monotheist. Let's try to tackle the monotheist contenders. You know, we're trying to get it down there, down to like the one God, right? Mm -hmm. So um, there's some forms of Greek philosophy. You think of Plato, you think of Aristotle. Um, I mean, what what are your thoughts? Like, how did we end up like gearing towards this? I mean, if you think of the three main religions yeah. in the world today, they are monotheistic religions. So, right. 
so this is where the history starts to become more important. Um, and this is where my, my, what knowledge I have starts to help a little bit more. Um, so there's kind of two tracks. If Western civilization is a thing, which I think it is, that can be controversial to some people. Um, but I, I do think it's fair to say there are discernible like streams of tradition and thought and literature mm-hmm. and philosophy that belong to some cultures and not others. So you know, we're more influenced by, say, Plato and Aristotle than, mm-hmm. say, Confucius, even if Confucius had like good things to say. Yeah. But we tend to be influenced more by the one than the other. So in, in Western civilization, there tend to be two tracks. Um, one is Greek philosophy that got us on in this direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, Stoicism was an offshoot of some of this, um, but... Um, which again is kind of a form of pantheism, but there were also earlier thinkers like Plato and Aristotle who seemed to at least be thinking of a higher divinity that may or may not be personal in some sense. They, they don't challenge necessarily that the, the, there might be, again, those sort of intermediary beings that, I mean, they don't like the old myths because, again, the, those gods are bad examples mm-hmm. for us to follow as human beings, but they, they're not against the idea that there could be beings like them. But they still imagine that there might be something like higher and better and deeper out there somewhere. Um, and that's where, uh, that, that's one stream. So the, the Greek philosophy did have this idea of a sort of higher God, or at least a higher um, being or set of principles that may or may not have been particularly personal. Um, uh, Anyway, so that's one track, um, and that played out in all sorts of different ways. So the idea was there. Mm-hmm. The other track um, was was Judaism, um, that of course uh, really brought us, um, um, at least in the West, Christianity today. Yeah. Um, so those are the two strains I think going way back into antiquity. Again, we could talk about Acts seventeen, um, where you have these competitors, uh, and for a long time in in the Roman Empire, you have. Um, Jews and you have Christians and you have various forms of, of pagans and you've got people who are more philosophical who you know may have varying different ideas about what a god or the gods are like mm-hmm. um, so yeah it's, it's kind of a what the wild west in, in some ways um, but those are the two streams that yeah. kind of get at the, the question you think yeah I mean if you read the story of Abraham he came out of Mesopotamia right. where there was multiple gods right. so it wasn't like you know this was some crazy idea that there was you know I wouldn't use the word for lack of better terms, competition, but like when the one God, that one true God called Abraham to separate himself, he was mm-hmm. really saying like, no, there's actually one true God. So separate yourself. I'm going to lead you to the land and you're going to have a uh, multitude of descendants and right. as numerous as the stars. And mm-hmm. so that's kind of where we start seeing the the two tracks. Yes. Divide. And, they, and they, and they kind of come together yeah. um, in, in the Christian world because Paul and the other first century Jews who believe that Jesus was the Messiah, um, they were expressing themselves mm-hmm. in the language often, yep. you know, in, in Greek, um, in the language of the philosophers. So again, I mentioned this in the last podcast, um, John chapter one, you know, in the beginning was the logos. Um, this logos is, comes right out of Greek philosophy. Right. And John is re- ta- purposing this, obviously. And he's actually, the logos is a person and his name is Jesus. Um, but he, he is putting it in the language of the wider world in which you know, the Jews, the, these early Christians mm-hmm. are participating in. Speaking in a language they can understand. Exactly. Yeah. What else would you want to talk about Like with Judaism? like Where else do the tracks go? So if Judaism today in the modern world is a competitor, um, I think it's important 
important to maybe reframe that a little bit and understand mm-hmm. because this is this is often unfortunately in in sort of our history we have people have conceived of Christianity and Jews uh, Judaism as as competitors um, I don't know if that's the right way to view it um, because in many ways Christianity endorses and fundamentally depends on like major elements in Judaism yeah uh, the story Which, of the, yeah go ahead I'm sorry you go ahead I was I was just gonna make a comment that we often hear in the church is you know we're not religious yeah you know, and mm-hmm. it's like, well, we are religious. Right. Judaism is a religion, yeah. and Jesus was religious, and so uh, he followed religious practices. He was a religious person. Mm-hmm. He went to the, the temple. He participated in, in festivities and events, and mm-hmm. it's like you really have to be embedded in that because I feel Definitely. like there's this new terminology that's been around the last decade of, like, we're all about relationship, not religion. It's right. like, well, you can be about both. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That, that is an interesting point. Um, and yeah, in a world as regulated, not, not regulated, that isn't quite the right word, but as structured mm-hmm. um, as the one that Jesus and Paul and the other authors of the New Testament would have grown up in, um, there definitely is benefit in that. And one that I think uh, Christians, sort of evangelical Protestants of our bend, would do well to appreciate a little bit more. Yeah. Um, the, the the interesting thing is that again Christianity is really drawing in some ways on that structure. It's drawing on the the tradition that goes back. It's the whole story of you know, the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and people have talked about say the conversion of, of Paul in this yeah. topic. It's really important to realize. I, I think the the argument is pretty compelling that Paul didn't convert. He didn't think he was moving from. And I've stolen this from N.T. Wright. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> full disclosure. This is not God my own. That. Yeah, right. yeah. That he, he has you know put this out pretty clearly in his biography on Paul, and I think it's it's persuasive um, that you know, Paul didn't think he was moving from one thing called Judaism, a kind of. Uh, even religion, as we would think of it today. I mean, we can call it a religion, um, but it was much more than that. Uh, it was mm-hmm. more than just a set of practices. Um, and then think he did not think that he was then moving from that religion to some other label or brand right. of religion. He thought what he was doing was the fulfillment of what he referred to as, as, as Judaism. That his, the story that he'd grown up with, his identity was fulfilled in this guy who seemed to be um, the Messiah. Hmm. Um, so the Christian Christian tradition, the Christian understanding, I think, um, when it's properly construed, really depends upon Judaism. It's not exactly a competitor per se. Um, not obviously that doesn't clear everything up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that's a, that's an important point I think to start with when you're looking at Christianity versus the other monotheistic religions. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's the bedrock of the mm-hmm. Christian faith. So we could not have Christianity without Judaism, right. but uh, we often tend to think like they they can they practice something completely different than right. us, you know. And uh, I like that you said that you know Paul never really felt like he was converting out of Judaism. Mm-hmm. He felt like he was more or less falling into the fulfillment right. of Judaism right. by following Christ. And so I think that's important for people to know when they're like, what's the main difference between gods? But that also brings up the other challenge of like. Well, when Christ comes back, what does that mean for the Jews? All right. <laughs> you know, and I've been to Israel. I've had conversations. Right. I've read Romans, and I'm trying to still uh, figure that out. I mean, there's uh, clear language in there that says, you know, the G- 
God has another path for the Jews, mm-hmm. the people that still follow the Old Testament, still waiting for their Messiah. Uh, but we as Christians know Jesus had already come. So just kind of curious, what are, your, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, the place to go to is the book of Romans, um, because it's often been missed. Um, you know, we can get sidetracked in Romans about issues like predestination mm-hmm. um, or, or something else. Really, the book is about as far as I can tell, um, trying to read it closely, it's really about this tension between that it really haunted a lot of Paul's career. It seems how do you get this Gentile community to be integrated into this this longstanding Jewish tradition, and vice versa? How, yeah. how do you have Jew, Jews and Gentiles living together in Christ? As, yeah. as he puts it. That's his his terminology. Um, and so in Romans, it's uh, the the la- the last oh. What would it be? About Romans 10 through 12, I think, is where a lot of this is, is tackled. Um, that's really complicated stuff. <laughs> and, and I and I don't know exactly what Paul foresaw exactly. Um, I don't know that he was looking, that he had some sort of, say, revelation from God, that he saw the final fate of, of his people um, and was able to tell exactly... Um, what was going to happen with them. I don't even know that he necessarily saw the destruction of the temple, mm. which was huge in, in Jewish life. Yeah. It, there were two major uprisings, one in the year 70 AD and then another about mm, about 60-ish years later, um, the, the Bar Kokhba re- revolt. Um, but between, and the Jews lost both of those revolts against Rome, um, and it really like destroyed Jewish life. Um, mm. it, it, was a, it was a major break um, with what had come before. I don't know if Paul necessarily foresaw that. I think Paul might be speaking in, in those chapters, you know, not having my, my Bible here in front of me, but, but I think he has in mind the current situation um, where he is hopeful, I think, that, that Jews will come to see Jesus as the Messiah, um, and certainly many have at that point. Um, but he also sees that this moment has somehow opened up a window, I think, in for, for opening an opportunity for, for the Gentiles to come in. Um, that if this were just some sort of Jewish project, um, maybe it would not have left space for, um, for Gentiles to come in. Um, because it would just look like, again, another form of, of Judaism. But this seems to be something more. And I think what he's saying is now this is a sort of opportunity for, for Gentiles to come in. But um, as far as there being a, a different path, what, what do you mean by there being a different path for, for Jews? Can we, maybe we should be clear about what we're Yeah, like, about. you know, uh, a Jewish person that doesn't believe Jesus is the Messiah mm-hmm. but still worships Yahweh. Yeah, that's a really tough one, isn't it? Isn't <laughs> we're expe- that- yeah, I know. We're expected to answer this stuff, you know. We're going to yeah. tackle this all in 30 minutes or four, right. 55 minutes, whatever it may right. be. But... Um, yeah, I mean, I've read N.T. Wright stuff on mm-hmm. it. It's really, it really challenges you mm-hmm. to think like, uh, how could God have a separate plan? What does that look like? And I, I'll be honest, I don't even want to touch that one like, right. personally because I, I haven't landed anywhere yet. And personally, I don't think I'm ever going to land somewhere. Certainly, if there's a different track in some sense, if if Jews are going to be saved, I think if you're going to be honest to the long-standing Christian tradition and beliefs about this, we're going to have to say that it's still through the blood of Jesus, right? Yeah. That's that, that everyone, you know, if they somehow come to, um, well, I don't want to use the Christianese term salvation, but if you come to um, sort of the, the end, if you hit the mark in the end, um, if you're actually able to um, 
sort of Jesus uses the language of entering into the kingdom of God mm-hmm. somehow. That's going to have to be through him still in some sense. Um, now, could it be that there, I mean, this, act, this kind of opens a bigger can of worms. Like, yeah. can people who don't expressly believe that Jesus is their your Lord and Savior, can they be saved? Yeah. Um, I think pretty, that's where people get hung up. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, Jews don't believe in Jesus. <sighs> yeah. How could they possibly <laughs> go to heaven where Jesus is the judge? Right. Right. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know that. Like that's that's we a can't huge play thing. God, so we're not going to pretend to know that. Right. One, right. I mean, that's the that would be. I mean, that's almost a whole different podcast question in some ways. I think. Let me put it this way: that I think there's a probably. A, it makes sense to me that there definitely could be situations where devout believing Jews who maybe never there was a YouTube video I ran across years ago of this this fellow who was raised I think conservative. Um, in conservative conservative Judaism, um, and he uh, was told his whole growing up um, that you know never read the New Testament, like don't open that part of the you mm-hmm. know these Bibles, never get your hands on these these Christian Bibles because it's just a the New Testament is just a collection of works about how to persecute Jewish people. Mm. Um, and he said, well, eventually you know I went to college and you know that taboo got the better of me, and I wanted to actually see what it was. And the he opens the Taste first of the forbidden fruit. exactly exactly. <laughs> And he opened the first page, and the first page is Matthew 1. You know, this is the book about Jesus, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And he realized, oh, wait, this is a book about Jewish people. Um, and that was a, this is one anecdote, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, imagine that he had never necessarily, you know, heard or had a clear, suppose he had just gone his whole life thinking that it was um, just a book about, perse- or that, you know, it, Christianity is some sort of Jewish heresy. Um then I don't know. I don't know how God judges that that kind of person. I could see. I, I think God doesn't is not looking for reasons to disqualify people. Um, that's my own personal outlook. Mm-hmm. Um, I think He is the, the whole story of the Bible. The thrust of the Old Testament yeah. is that God is trying to reach people, um, and does tend to judge them according to how much they know. Um, people who know more are held to a higher standard, um, and so. I don't know. I don't know what the final plan. I, 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 being someone who has you know limited knowledge, um, and uh, but you certainly would hope. I think along with Paul, um, that God will you know bring many people. God wants all people to be saved. Right? Yeah. That's what what Scripture says. Um, and Paul is a, is affirmative that you know all Israel will be saved. From what he says in Romans, and what he means by that has been you know much debated does he mean in some sense the church is now mm-hmm. israel that you know, this this line of abraham going all the way down because he points out look not everyone who's descended from from abraham you know is the children of the promise because that has been a very specific thing that has been um you know worked by god and his providence um to in the end bless the whole world right um so it, it's this weird kind of particular particularism that is then used to be a universal blessing mm-hmm. and that's important to remember um so yeah it's a, it's a tough <laughs> issue it's tough, but what i what i do want to emphasize though is that you know certainly many christians have confused themselves mm-hmm. in history on the, the the topic of of judaism in christian history especially in the eras that i study are just tragic um it, it really is quite like sad actually how like, give me an example what do you um mean? okay so there's a guy named john chrysostom um he's the bishop uh of the city of constantinople in the early 400s mm-hmm. the christian the, the roman empire is christian at this point mostly there's still some pockets especially in the cities that, that are not 
uh, certainly in, in rural communities. But um, he is initially like a pastor, a presbyter in the city of Antioch. Um, and he's living in a community that, as I was saying before, is kind of like what you know Paul was experiencing. There's 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 Jews, there's Christians, there's pagans, um, and he just says some stuff that is, you know, unfortunately, you know, it's, it's just anti-Semitic. There's just yeah. not a whole lot about that. And you find a lot of this in early Christian authority. Like, these are theologians and their bishops and their teachers and their pastors. There's a strong anti-Semitic streak in these early, you know, ancient you know authors um, who are pretty much all Gentile, um, mm. with maybe a, f- a few exceptions, but they start getting out from the New Testament, um, and this is a pretty common thing, unfortunately. Um, and that's just real, especially when the empire becomes Christian and everyone is sort of expected yeah. to get on the same page more, this becomes more of a trend. And that's just, I mean, you can see this you know, in, in Martin Luther. Martin Luther was explicitly anti-Semitic, um, mm. just, just had some things that, you know... Be- People don't hear that side of uh, history, though. Yeah. You know? it, I, th- I, I think... Obviously, Christians get a bad rap with some of the history sure. that they've had, but uh, when they think of Martin Luther, they think of him as a saint, right? right? For the Reformation, Protestant right. movement, but they don't hear, you know, some of the history Ooh, behind yeah. <laughs> that we are, yeah, that these people have feet of clay yeah. too, um, and that's really unfortunate. Um, and it, it's a warning. I think if Paul had foreseen that, we're talking about how much Paul could have seen coming. Yeah. I think it would have not only like broken his heart, I think mm. it would have enraged him. Um, and there's the warning against that in Romans. You know, you, he says, you guys are grafted, you're not the Gentiles, you're grafted into this tree, right? Like, you, you're not mm. the roots, <laughs> you're, you're not, you know, you didn't plant it, it's not your, you know, your, your project somehow. You have been, you know, grafted in like a wild shoot. And he says, don't get arrogant about your position, that somehow you have, you know, that you are now sort of sitting in the driver's seat mm-hmm. because... Uh, you know, you can be taken, you know, if branches can be broken off, you can be broken off too. Um, And unfortunately, there's been a lot of arrogance among like Gentile Christians um, on this point, um, which is, which is really tragic. So Mm. I think that needs to be said though, because um, yeah, it's 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 sort of a shadow that that stands over a lot of like the the church's history in the West. Yeah. And it needs to be talked about more, Mm -hmm. you know, as, as Christians, we, we often believe the church has always been this, uh, body of just excellence, right? right. And we know <laughs> currently we see a lot of stuff in the media, right. things that have been wronged mm-hmm. by priests, pastors, mm-hmm. things that have happened in the church. And it's, I think people need to remember that even though people profess Christ, we love Christ, mm-hmm. we are still all sinners to the core. We still make right. uh, errors, we still make mistakes. And you're going to see that throughout history, even when you look back to the people of Martin Luther King. Uh, Martin Luther that are on the wrong right. side of history by their anti-Semitic remarks, and so uh, it's there's a, there's a depth of knowledge you need to have about church history right. if you really want to understand how we got to where we're at, and and just monotheism right. at, at its whole, like because For we sure. are the body we represent right. God, and so however we love and treat people are pe- how people are going to see our God, which I think yeah. has brought a lot of problems today of people not wanting to be involved in something because they're only known for X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you bring up an interesting point um, about being known as people who, you know, who love everybody, right? Yeah. Like that, Jesus clearly taught that, right? You yeah. Know, you, you should, you know, so, you know, I think, you know, Jewish people would certainly count in that. You would think, you yeah. know, that, that these other Christian authorities in history would, would, would get that. Um, and yeah, there's this, this problem. I mean, the way I look at it, it's, it's always puzzling to me when I read these sources because it's like, Look, you know, imagine you had, you just, you know, 
imagine you had a boss, okay? Yeah. And this boss has, you know, maybe distant family. Maybe he's you know, estranged from his family, maybe not. But, you know, I would never, like, mistreat my bosses, you know, distant family members. Yeah. That's kind of what you're doing when yeah. you're, you know, persecuting Jewish people. Because, right. like, this is these are Jesus' flesh and blood mm-hmm. here. Um, like, he, he was related to, you know, they're his family. Yeah. Um, they're part of the same, you know, it's part of the same family. So it's just, it's... It's kind of defies common sense in, mm-hmm. in some ways. But. And, when, and when we talk about the Jewish people, like, are you, I mean, if you look at Israel as a whole, mm-hmm. it's the largest atheist population in any country. Right. So what do you define as a Jew? I mean, it's not historical Israelites mm-hmm. where all of them are following the same God. And then uh, obviously the Old Testament is a love story, right? People mm-hmm. walking away from God, repenting, coming back, mm-hmm. and as God constantly pursuing them through prophets and kings. Uh, but in this instance, it's like we have a lot of Jewish people or people that claim to be Jewish now, mostly right. tied to a name, right. but don't necessarily practice. Right. And it's an ethnic. It can be either a religion, right. or an ethnicity, or both. Correct. Um, and that's what we have to. But I mean, Christians have when when they've been on the wrong side of this. You know, Christians don't usually make that distinction. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's, that's a more recent distinction, I mm-hmm. think. Um, but it, again, all this needs to be said um, because uh, even in today's political climate, you see, um, I, I I was helping my in-laws move in in Pittsburgh the day I think that that shooting happened in mm. the synagogue a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, just like kind of sobering. Um, mm-hmm. This stuff can rear up again quickly. Um, I'd like to think that it's people who don't really understand Christianity who mm-hmm. do this, but there's also some evidence. Again, we're talking about what people know and yeah. God judging them based on what they know. There's people who should know better, too. So I guess we, we fall on like Jesus as Israel's Messiah. Jesus is, is Israel's Messiah. Yeah, yeah, like, you know, the Jewish people living their life, obviously uh, the curtain closes in 400 years, Jew- uh, Jesus pops up on the scene. Mm-hmm. Actually, you have John the Baptist, then mm-hmm. Jesus, but uh, he's not really well-received. <laughs> uh, depends on who you ask. Yeah, right? well, <laughs> so, Some true. people, obviously. Some know, people. Um, yeah. Some people obviously did. Um, but yeah, um, all in all, um if you look at, say, stay on the topic of Judaism for a moment, if you look at how he is received in later Jewish tradition, mm-hmm. he's received as a teacher who led the people astray, right. a false prophet. Um, and that's his enduring legacy. Um, but there were certainly people, again, sort of then to, to the last point on this Jewish question, I would say, you know, don't take it from you know me, the Gentile Christian. You know, take it from Paul, right? Take it from John. Like, yeah. you know, presumably, maybe the exception of Luke and Acts, we don't really know, but it seems like almost all the rest of the New Testament was probably written by Jews. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's too controversial, even among say skeptics. Um, and so, you know, these were actual Jewish people practicing Jewish people mm-hmm. who thought that Jesus was um, Israel's Messiah. Um, so we're talking about the story of the Old Testament. You have you have this situation where you know, by the end of the prophets, you look at you know, Malachi, Daniel, Isaiah, there is this sense toward the end of that narrative um, in the Old Testament or in, in the Hebrew Bible 
that God is about to do something. Like he's promised, like Malachi, you know, the promise, the last, usually the last um, book in, um, say, most Protestant Bibles, or last book in the Old Testament, um, like sort of leans forward and says, you know, God's going to come. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like we're expecting, okay, now what? Um, and there, there's this figure in, in um, Isaiah. He's referred to often as the arm of the Lord, the arm of Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Um, you have this you know, discussions about you know this this chosen one, um, an anointed one in the Psalms, um, who seems like he's a son of David, but something more mm-hmm. than that. You know, the Lord said to my Lord, "Sit at my right hand," and um, it seems to be referring to someone who is David's descendant, but greater. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have in Daniel seven, very famously, this figure of as in his words, a son of man, um, one like a son of man. Yeah. Uh, is the, the Aramaic. Um, uh, and this, the son of man figure sits in the presence of the ancient of days, um, on a throne. Um, and this, it seems like in the chapter that this son of man figure kind of represents Israel itself, God's mm-hmm. chosen people, and yet he's seated right next to God. Uh, he receives, um, depending on the translation you use, uh, if you look at, say, the, the Greek translation that was still done before Jesus was born, a long, by a long shot, what we call the Septuagint, um, the Septuagint makes some interesting moves from the original Aramaic, where it actually starts to say that the Son of Man received the sort of worship. He explicitly says this, the sort of worship that only God himself receives. Mm. If it's directed to something else, it's idolatry. And yet the Son of Man receives this. Um, you have the that in every translation, the Son of Man figure comes on clouds. Mm-hmm. There's only one figure in the Old Testament who is like, comes with with clouds um and that's yahweh himself yeah um you have and and again in this greek translation you have a really interesting shift where the the interpreter the translator has begun to actually weave in a little bit of interpretation you know as all translations do and he says that this guy can't the son of man comes like the Ancient of Days, or mm-hmm. as the Ancient of Days. And so there's this blurring happening with this figure. And this is the term Jesus uses most often to describe himself. So there was this, this, and, and by the time Jesus had gotten on the scene, there had been a lot of discussion, and a lot of reflection, obviously. There had been a few hundred years since yeah. you know, the, these texts had been written. Uh, and people had begun to realize, or to anticipate, that there was this sort of... Um, what, do you, what do we want to say? A kind of empty slot. Right, that somebody was going to come fill this slot. It was promised. Mm-hmm. Um, the sort of, from a Christian perspective, a Jesus-shaped slot. Obviously, he didn't look exactly like what, what right. people were anticipating. But the, Jesus understood this was his vocation, um, as best we can tell from from the Bible. And, and it's really interesting, this, especially the Son of Man thing. Nobody else calls Jesus the Son of Man. It's only him. It's like only ever on his own lips to describe mm-hmm. himself. Um, so he seems like he was clearly reading Daniel and saw that that's what he was. He was about. Um, and Jewish um, uh, authorities at the time kind of puzzled over this. They said, you know, are, there, are there two powers in heaven? Like, what's what's going on here? How can there be you know this other guy who seems like he's being treated like God him, himself? Um, and suddenly Jesus comes on the scene and seems to fill that spot. Um, and obviously, a lot of Jews believed him. Um, yeah. And so that's sort of where Christianity gets off the ground, I suppose, in a sort of historical sense, and especially in its relationship to the Old Testament, the relationship to Judaism. Yeah, and, you know, if you study Acts, you see that this really gets affected when the outpouring of the Holy Spirit comes. I mean, 3,000 come to Christ 
knowing Jesus as the Messiah in one day. Right. And it's like, boom, here comes the church. Right. <laughs> um, so Jesus does fill the slot. Yes. And then the, it starts the reign on that slot when the Holy Spirit shows up. And it's worth pointing out that there were other attempted messiahs yeah. um, on either side of Jesus, you know, both before and after him. And none of them claimed that there was a resurrection. Um, mm. If your Messiah is crucified or killed by the Romans, which is how they all ended, um, you either give up the movement um, or you find somebody else who was, oh, actually, you know, this guy was the Messiah. Yeah. Um, the earliest Christians didn't do that. They decided to, and here again, you, you know, attentive re, uh, listeners will know that I'm sort of channeling my inner NT right here. Um, this is the whole point, the whole argument of one of his books on, on the resurrection. Um, but um, it is interesting it is a unique move that jews of this period would claim there was a resurrection um and yet they did and i think that's what also said not only the outpouring of the holy spirit but this claim you have the, you have the holy spirit and you have this claim about resurrection um and that's quite a powerful testament it, it, all maybe, evidence maybe that's what yeah. we tackle next episode just yeah 100 resurrection we should do that because yeah. I, you know easter coming up yeah and i'll be honest if the resurrection ever happened Christianity is dead in its tracks. Dead in the water. Yep. It's like and a so it, it wouldn't even up. be here. It wouldn't even be a conversation. And so it's like if there's one thing we could like bring the evidence about, yeah. it would be the resurrection. I think so. Um, and, and Paul is pretty clear about that. And, and there are a whole bunch, just to quickly preview that, there's a whole, well, maybe we should talk about other you know, competitors <laughs> and, and yeah. compare that in terms of the historical terms to the sort of Christian evidence that, again, I think in my mind, again, we're going to be, again, fair to our listeners where, you know, <laughs> we're not trying to stack the deck, but we're also trying to like testify a little bit yeah. to what's actually been persuasive for us. Right. Yeah. And that's Build a case. So, exactly. Um, so maybe we go from there and then we compare that to the Christian evidence. I like it. I like it. Maybe we can dive a little further into that, but I, I do want to touch on the, you know, the other main yes. monotheistic yes. religion, which is Islam, mm-hmm. um, which kind of blends in with some Judaism, has some Christianity. Obviously, Jesus is mentioned in the Quran and mm-hmm. uh, is known as Isa. And so uh, it's but he's known more of as a prophet. Right. You know, and so he's kind of not the same Jesus that we believe in. Right. You know, that's why I mentioned last episode when people talk about, you know, Jesus and, you know, praying to Jesus. I said, well, what kind of Jesus do you believe in? Right. Right. Because you, you can't just assume it's the same Jesus in the Bible, right? And so, uh, yeah. What are your What are your thoughts on on Islam? Like, what, uh, yeah, that's a huge topic. Yeah, <laughs> let's tackle it in the next ten yeah, minutes. Yeah, what yeah. do you think? Um, it's an interesting thing. This is a hugely again in, in the field of, of late antiquity um, and um, sort of Byzantium and Islam in the Middle East in in oh, let's say roughly, let's just say the, the 600s um, up through about the 800s, because very quickly you have, just in political terms, Islam conquers the whole Middle East in a very short amount of time. Yeah. Um, there are, and it, our sources are actually pretty poor on this, um, about how this happened, how they were able to do this as quickly as they were. Part of it was because the Roman Empire at the time was very weak. Mm. Uh, the Persian Empire next door is also very weak. They've been fighting wars for decades now, and it seemed like they've exhausted one another. Boom, Islam comes in, um, takes over the scene. But a lot of our sources about what actually happened during Muhammad's lifetime are pretty patchy and pretty late by mm. compared. There, there are a few hundred years, I think, in most cases after um, the situation. I'm not an expert on this, um, but it is tangential to the sort of things that I that I tend to study. Um, 
So it's difficult to reconstruct Muhammad's life um, because it was already a politically contentious issue um, by the time. Because who, who's going to fill his slot, right? That's a really important place. If you've conquered a huge chunk of the world, who gets to run the show now? Yeah. And there were already like um, uh, sort of power struggles on this, as, as you would expect. Um, so I don't know. Islam certainly blends elements of Judaism and Christianity. Mm-hmm. It does seem, if you read the Quran, that Muhammad thought that Christ- he thought that both Jews and Christians would sign up for the program. He thought he had found like the new thing that would like kind of bring, I think, all the monotheists together, as best we can tell. Um, that obviously didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. uh, neither Christians nor it seems most Jews were particularly interested in what Muhammad was was offering, um, and clearly. Certainly we can say that it's not—this is where it's important, I think, to compare to Christianity, whereas, whereas I think you can see how—even if you don't believe Christianity is true, if you want to think it's ultimately wrong in the end, you can see how early Christian authors and thinkers like like Paul were really wrestling with how to make it um, line up with the story of the Old Testament, how to make it continuous, how mm-hmm. to make it connect, yeah. right? So in their view, you know, Jesus is like— the, is the you know, he's the cornerstone he's the capstone like the last mm-hmm. piece of a pyramid that goes on top you're not going to be able to add anything else onto that um with so it does seem to me to be again if, just from a purely historical perspective it seems like what islam is trying to do is almost again it's not like you can kind of come along and say well actually there's another piece on top of mm-hmm. that right um christianity seems to at least in the first century have perceived itself to be pretty complete in a lot of ways there wasn't going to be like another big revelation jesus was not just another prophet right he was actually something something quite a bit more um and so i think that's where you know and so for me i would say that one of the qualitative differences is again the the historicity of islam versus the historicity of of, of christianity and a lot of the sources for islam are pretty late um and if again if someone's going to come along claiming to be god's prophet i'm going to want really good historical evidence for that so that's one way i mean which we'll dive into yes yes and that that's like you know islam in in you know five ten minutes here (laughs) yeah Yeah, we obviously that's that's a It's a lot bigger topic to cover. And that'd, be we, something, that'd be a good one to get like another expert mm-hmm. on. And I, I think I know some people who really, be, yeah, potentially bring yeah. them in. Yeah. We're we'll having a whole podcast on that. Yeah. 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 And, Which, and, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. I, I, should we talk, touch on Mormonism yep. at all? Okay. I think that Mormonism is, is kind of the same thing, right? These other offshoots, you can apply much the same sort of arguments, um, about Islam, um, to say Jehovah's witness, or again, other offshoots of mm-hmm. either Christianity or blendings of Christianity and Judaism or, or precursors. Um, I think there's a historical problem. They tend again, um, they are derivative of their predecessors, but they also tend to lack the historical documentation. Um, they also seem to fit awkwardly with yeah. their predecessors. Um, so again, much like Islam, you you know, was there gonna was there ever sort of a sense among the earliest Christians that there was gonna be like another big prophet mm-hmm. like Joseph Smith or yeah. Muhammad? I don't really think so. Um, so again, I think a lot of those those predecessors, those spinoffs. Um, it's difficult for me to see how they could sort of fit into this bigger picture, which again, I think separates Christianity. Where Christianity, again, is stressing, and in many ways, I think does a very good job of plugging itself into this long-standing Judaism. It's hard for me to see how those later spinoffs, mm-hmm. monothe- monotheistic, I think, um, um, 
I suppose it's more complicated in Mormonism, though, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, if we all become gods in the end. Um, but more, we'll call them more or less monotheistic um, on a sort of practical level, <laughs> at least. Um, but I think that those are sort of the, the, the big framing issues that I would approach those, those spinoffs. Um, monotheistic competitors, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, one, one comment I constantly get anytime you talk about faith or God is that, you know, they're all just the same. Like all religions just go to the same place, um, you know. Whether you believe in Zeus or Jesus or Muhammad, like you're, we're all gonna end up in the same place, right. uh, as you called it, the Oprah Winfrey effect. Yes, <laughs> we're just all good people going exactly. to the same place. I'm like, exactly. yeah, okay. Well, based on like the information we've even talked about, yeah. you can see clear differences. Exactly. Uh, clear differences of what they're saying. I mean, uh, if you read the Bible, which I mean, if I've, I've read parts of the Quran. I haven't read the thing right. cover to cover, but pieces of it talk about Jesus and who he was mm-hmm. and what he did. And uh, it doesn't cover anything of uh, the crucifixion. Right. And so when Jesus mm-hmm. is on the cross and he says, it is finished, mm-hmm. meaning the work is done, mm-hmm. like that was it. Right. And right. therefore there right, right. should be no other religions after this. Yeah. Like the work of God has been fulfilled. Um, but yet we still have other spinoffs as you want to call right. them or other people that pop up and and claim to be god or claim to be the next chapter right um and that causes you know just even more confusion sure. uh, especially in a world where we're just not educated mm-hmm. in scripture we're not educated in uh, religion history and so what would you where would be a good place for people to start when you have like those questions questions about all all gods being the same yeah or, like or how any... would you even break that down for people I think you actually, just, I mean, if you study these religions for five minutes, I think it becomes readily apparent that they're not all pointing to the same place. Yeah. Um, if you believe that, again, compare, I mean, so look at something like Holy War would be a good mm-hmm. example in this case. Um, based on the teachings of Jesus, it's really hard for me to look at something like you could say Christians are hypocrites on this for yeah. things like the Crusades. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. I'm a hundred. Get me on board. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm a hundred percent. Sign that. me up, yeah, please. Th- like we're we're hypocrites. We're all about like acknowledging Christian hypocrisy yeah. here. Um, at the same time, it's really hard for me to actually square w- with what Jesus actually taught, right? Um, and so, looking at say, but but Holy War does at least seem to be something that was pretty prominent um mm. it was not i think muhammad as i remember from what i've studied the Quran, it was probably not his go-to um uh, at first he kind of, again he kind of anticipated that he wouldn't have to resort to that but as sort of the political heat probably as best we can reconstruct as the political heat was turned on uh, holy war or jihad became more of um an emphasis that doesn't work very well with um christianity um so again things like that um there are big overlaps. Obviously, there are things that people see the same. Okay, you know, if I were an outsider, uh, someone from Mars, I would say, yeah, these these religions, um, as we sort of have worked our way from, is there a god? What sort of god? You know, you start chipping away at that. You know, if I were that alien from Mars, I might say, yeah, Judaism and Christianity and Islam, they all look pretty much the same to me. Um, they do teach contradictory things, though, that, that are really hard to, to, to sort of... Um, to square with one another. And so I think the first thing you have to do is actually like look at these, what, what do these religions actually teach? Yeah. They do have overlaps, that's for sure, um, but they're also going to teach different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you have to come to, okay, unless there's no such thing as truth at all in, in religion, there's no sort of 
um, you know, no sort of higher truth that we can discern. Um, but if you actually think there might be some sort of, you know, again, deeper, higher truth uh, about God, um, again, it seems like the, these can't all be true, right? Mm. Um, if you're going to be kind of mushy around the edges, maybe it works. Yeah. Um, but if you're actually going to dive into what these religions and their founders seem to have taught and believed, okay, then that, that's going to kind of a different issue, I mm. think. Yeah, I mean, it's... <laughs> Like a common phrase I hear with my youth today is like, live, live your truth, right? Yeah. And it's like, well, is truth a different perspective? Exactly. Is it all relative? Is it eye of the, eye of the beholder? Exactly. Like, uh, but then, you know, four, four plus four is eight. Yep. That's the truth. You can't say four plus five is eight. It yep. just, there's, there's things that are truth and are not truth. And we right. kind of delve in that in the first podcast where we kind of broke down like, what's a good baseline to start on? Mm-hmm. Um, and then as you start breaking down the different religions, you really get into the meat of like, where do you fall in line? Um, right. Where, which one is, is the most truth? Mm-hmm. And I think that's like really hard because we talked about like God is welcome. Like all are welcome to come to him. Right. And uh, scripture tells us, you know, why does a path narrow is the gate. Right. And I always picture on that gate, like uh, God's, God's will. Yeah. You know, and there's some people that will get to the gate and look at it and be like, ah, I just don't, don't want to do that. <laughs> it's you not know? for me. <laughs> yeah. Like forgive people who persecute yeah. me. And uh, I, I think a lot of Christians have yeah. come to that gate and say, you know, that's not for me. Actually. Yeah. And yeah. I, I mean, I've had close friends, you know, that I've, I've went from, you know, they're an atheist to going to a Bible study with me to like right on the fence of like, I want to believe this, mm-hmm. but I just, I can't get behind this principle. Mm-hmm. And it's like, they got to the gate. And they realize that that's, it's just too narrow. Right. And it's, and I, and I get that, you know, I get that it's hard because it's, there's a lot of, <laughs> you know, and I, I think people um, just picture Christianity being like an easy faith, right? Like a God grace filled, nothing is ever going to bother you. And it's like, no, Jesus promises you will have troubles, right? You will have trials, you will have temptations, but I will be with you. And I think that's really important when you realize that, that's what it truly means to pick up your cross and follow him. Right. And I don't want to get into preacher mode here, which no, I know no, I can no. tend to do, but that when you break down the different religions, I mean, Jesus calls us to pick up a cross, meaning you're going to pick up suffering and that's going to be at the cost of following me. And I think that's like how you get through the gate. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's basically right. Um, that'll preach by the way. I mean, to write, I need to write a sermon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, some of this comes from, again, that our culture, again, operates in a kind of default Christianity, but strips down a lot of particulars. Yeah. Um, you can try to approach your understanding of religion from kind of the pers- one perspective we talked about in the last podcast, which is a sort of postmodern, um, relativistic, um, post-structuralist approach, which is to say, you know, th- there really is no d- deeper truth out there that we can access. Um Therefore, you know, all truth claims are equally valid. Yeah. Um, if you now, if you take that approach, then I suppose you can say all religions are equally, you know, valuable or equally meaningless in the same case. Um, but if you don't, if you do actually end up believing you know, there are things that are more fixed, the four plus four is actually eight. Um, then yeah, you're gonna actually, ha- and you start studying these things for for more than five minutes. Um, yeah, it's gonna. I think it jumps out of you pretty quickly. There's different things going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, good stuff. Um, is there any last part of that you wanted to touch on? 
I hear sometimes about the like the names of God. Mm-hmm. I've heard this debate come up before. Um, I've actually had this discussion with with my wife. So people say, you know, do they believe? Do we all believe in the same God? Yeah. I think it's important to pause and, and like parse that out for a moment. So especially in the monotheistic religions, mm-hmm. I would say it's hard for me to say that say Christians and Jews don't believe in the same God. Um, but let's parse it out a little further. What about um, say? Um, Muslims and, and Christians and Jews, do we all believe in exactly the same God? Well, okay, If you some, some people will point out that, rightfully, that the name Allah is just um, God. God. In Arabic. Yeah, it's just God in Arabic. Yeah. And if you want to know what Jesus would have called you know, God, um, the Aramaic word, the predecessor of Arabic, is just Allah or Elah, um, or in the Hebrew is Elohim, right? So these are all really the same Semitic root going back to, mm-hmm. you know, and basically communicating the same ideas. It's basically the same, the same name. But what's in a name, right? That, that's really what gets at it. So it's, it's more than just a name going on here. So if I started talking about really more about which version of God. So if I took you, for example, yeah. you know, Zach White, and I started talking about how Zach White was this, you know, crooked real estate agent. All right, now. Who, yeah, <laughs> who did you talk to? Yeah, who, uh, you know, <laughs> he cheated his small group out of money. Uh, you know, right? And, you know, just all this nasty stuff yeah. about Zach White. You know, that you know the name is the same thing, but what's actually the reality behind the guy? Um, well, there's only going to be one, right? And and you actually have to sort of narrow down what that is, and so you have to come to the terms with you know which again which version of God you know if the, if they do believe in the same God, do they actually believe fundamentally different things yeah. about who this God is and what he is like? Um, that matters. Um, and if you want to say that it's believing in the same God. Okay, I could live with that, but I could also see, you have to be able to nuance that and say, the con- there's more than just a name here, yeah. um, um, even more than just like a broader character. You know, again, if I just give you people, you know, well, he, you know, Zach White lives on so and so street or whatever. Okay, sure, but the, there's a lot more to it than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we need to that needs to be parsed um, when we come to this conversation. I agree, but I am not a crooked real estate agent, so uh, I wear many hats, too. If you yeah, listen to this yeah. and you don't know me, I uh, do some youth work, uh, real estate agent, uh, lead a couple other groups in the community. So, uh, yeah, it's good. It's it's This has been a good co- a good topic. I think it'll mm-hmm. la- kind of launch us into the next part where we kind of break down more the structure of, of Christianity, right. which is the, the point of this podcast is kind of, you know, and then we're going to break down even some more topics in depth, uh, right. what Scripture talks exactly. about. Which is kind of what launched this idea is that we had people in our, our Bible study asking questions. We, we left this open yeah. question. We had a month open. We said, you guys just ask any question you want, uh, and we're going to attempt to tackle it right. um, as leaders. And It turns out Christians have a lot of questions. Yes, <laughs> yeah. And there's a, there's a lot of void in the church of what we don't talk about right. um, or just misinterpretation. And so... Uh, we do the best of our knowledge to kind of break it down, but it also like it leaves us with a lot more hope when we sure. do tackle some of this stuff. Like I think, uh, in order to to you know kind of work your way through doubt or questions or to be more genuine in your faith, you have to be able to know uh, some hard questions. So we talked about politics, we talked about LGBT, we talked about right. uh, just challenging things going on politics, in the church. Polit- yeah, yeah it's. It, there's many things we could talk about heaven and earth hell yep. uh and we're, we're going to talk about some of this stuff eventually because we just want to be uh an outlet right we want people to be able to know like okay christians are talking about this mm-hmm. there is biblical truth to back up things um 
yeah, and we just kind of leave it there. But um, do you have anything else to, to say in short to kind of wrap up? My, my sort of cap on the day, I think, would be to say, you know, in the end, if there is, for me at least, as someone who's trying to think about this stuff and to actually be like intellectually honest about it all, I think if there is some sort of God or higher power, it does seem that this God or higher power would have to look an awful lot like what Christianity teaches. Yeah. Um, even if you know you might disagree with some of the particulars about Christianity, um, this is a God who's going to have to. We'll come to this. I, th- I probably have a whole day on the problem of evil, um, but it's a God who does deal with evil, mm-hmm. um, a God who heals, who does set things right, um, who straightens out the crooked, um, who creates not only a good world, but then when it goes you know, you know askew, you know doesn't just let. That's the other thing about this sort of. Um, default Christianity that's stripped down a lot of our culture. It's just God who kind of like sits back and strokes his beard and doesn't yeah. like do anything about it. I mean, <laughs> it's like it, your grandpa exactly. that sits on his rocking chair, just judging this and judging that. And he's okay with whatever right. here. And it's, yeah. and we know that sort of person. And unfortunately, in our, some of our families mm-hmm. and our country and our, you know, in our communities, these people are abusers, right? Or they're enablers of, of abuse. Um, and I don't think that's the sort of God that Christianity teaches. Um, this has to be God who handles the guilt um, that I think many of us sense over us. Yeah. Um, again, even if I think I were not a Christian, I would still know I'm not the person I'm sh- I should be, mm-hmm. right? I'm not quite what I ought to be. Yeah. Um, I'm not hitting the mark as a human being. How am I going to actually do that? How is that going to get fixed? Yeah. Um, and I think that then requires a God who does something about that yeah. and a God who makes himself personally known and teaches us then how to live out what he made us to mm-hmm. be. And I think that that is sort of the requirements that I have. Um, that's I think God has to look something like that pretty close. Yeah. Um, so if you're not on board um, entirely with this perspective, um, maybe you're getting a little closer. Like maybe this even just moves you a little bit closer to the Christian perspective. But that's that's where I would leave it as an argument. Um, I think that's uh, a pretty good approximation of the the business. <laughs> yeah, I mean this this whole idea of like. Uh, how do we land on one God right. and how do we know it's true and how do we know that we can put our faith and trust in, in Jesus? And it's really, that's what we want to get to is like the nuts and bolts of like the, the Christian faith. We kind of want to unravel it. And so we can make it plain, but also provide some good evidence of like why it is mm-hmm. the truth, why it is, why we believe it. Um, and like maybe at some point we can share some like testimonial stuff too, sure. because at some point we, we we're not born into this faith. Right. Like we're born again, mm-hmm. which is the fascinating part about it. Um, if you claim to be a Christian, uh, and I think that's just like where we want to go next. Mm-hmm. You know, we kind of want to talk more about that. And uh, I just hope like that people are listening to this if they don't believe in God, that they're like just asking questions. Oh yeah, because I I have a lot of friends that you know they 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 don't want to ask me questions about God, but they're they're willing to like read my blog mm-hmm. or you know sit back and listen to one of you know my sermons or something. Uh, and I, and I'm okay with that because right. I, I think, you know, as long as you're like poking around, it's, it's what God wants you to be doing. It's like we said in the last podcast, if you think about some of this, like, again, our culture, I think conditions us not to do this, yeah. but if you, again, think for five minutes about some of this stuff, I think it starts to push you, it starts to push me anyway, in, in a direction that's more favorable to something that at least looks a lot like Christianity. And if, again, if you're just being intellectually honest and asking those questions, um, you know, personally, I believe that's all God can ask you to do. Yeah. <laughs> and I think he will probably meet you in, in that. Um, if you actually are seeking and knocking, exactly. I think the door will be opened. 
Great. Well, we appreciate you guys tuning in. We ask that you uh, check out our next one as well. And uh, have a great day. God bless you all. Testing, testing, testing. I don't like that. No, can you get rid of that? Yeah, or? What? Oh, that's like awful. Is it like a count? It sound yeah, it does sound like it, doesn't it? Is that what it is? Yeah, it is. it's gotta be like some sort of metronome.